with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. In the course of his teaching, Jesus said to the crowds, Beware of the scribes who like to go around in long robes and accept greetings in the marketplaces, seats of honor in the synagogues, and places of honor at banquets. They devour the houses of widows and, as a pretext, recite lengthy prayers. They will receive a very severe condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and observed how the crowd put money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow also came and put two small coins worth a few cents, calling his disciples to himself, he said to them, Amen, I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the other contributors to the treasury, for they have all contributed from their surplus wealth, but she, from her poverty, has contributed all she had her whole livelihood. The Gospel of the Lord. When I was a boy, I was seated next to my great uncle in church one Sunday. He was a man who was very aware of money. And generally speaking, boys my age would put in, I guess, a few coins. I had a little extra money, so I put in a dollar. Afterwards, he said to me, don't ever put that much money in the collection again. (laughs) I assume he meant that a boy my age probably shouldn't do that. Although it seemed to me like a good thing to do then and now. Of course, a dollar was worth much more back in the 50s than it is today. I was trying to find someone who could tell me what the difference would have been, but I couldn't find anybody. Years passed, and I was in high school. My aunt and uncle were going on a trip to Canada. It was a business trip for him, and they asked if I could go along with them. I was permitted to, and we stopped for mass. My aunt was Catholic, and I was still taking instructions at the time. It was before we had something like the RCIA. When Mass was over with, she said to me, how much money did you bring on this trip? I said, oh, I guess about $18, which was, I thought, quite a bit of money, actually, for the 60s. She said, I noticed that you put nothing into the collection. Uh, It was a lesson well learned. 
remember two boys who lived near one another. And the one came over and said to the other, I have 50 cents. Let's go get a soda together. In those days, uh, you could get a chocolate soda with vanilla ice cream and whipped cream and a cherry on top for a quarter. I don't know what they cost today. I said, well, that's a wonderful idea. Let's do it. So they went on down the street, and he said, the one was Catholic, the other was not, let's stop in church. I want to say a prayer. And I thought, all right. So he did. He knelt down, I think, before a statue of the Sacred Heart. And at the end, he put the 50 cents into the collection box. The response of his friend was, you would just put our soda money in that box. (laughs) He said, yes, but it will do more good there. Besides, we don't really need a soda anyway. His friend thought this was rather irresponsible, even reckless. Those are small examples, but they're multiplied over and over again in the hundreds and thousands and millions of dollars in our world. Strange priorities and a fear of giving for fear I'll lose something of myself. I've often mentioned that avarice is what they refer to as the old man's vice, although I've known a lot of younger people who had it too, of sort of economic immortality. I want to hold on to it. It sort of symbolizes who I am, what I've done. And of course, there are many people who do a great deal of good with that young and old. Which brings us to this gospel. Our Lord first warns against the scribes and their hypocrisy. Although, just last week, he praised a scribe who said, you are not far from the kingdom of God because he knew which two commandments were the most important. But in general, he describes them as being hypocritical, ambitious, greedy. And then he comes to the treasury. Between the court of the Gentiles and the court of the women in the temple, there was a gate called the Beautiful Gate. Our Lord evidently sat down there to rest, probably tired from the confrontations he'd had with the scribes and the Pharisees. And in the court of the women there were 13 trumpets, so-called because they were shaped like trumpets. Each one was meant for a donation. People would put their donation into one of those trumpets that in some way supported the temple. Corn or wine, grain, the sacrifices, whatever it was, in some way it was all part of temple worship. Our Lord sits there observing them as they come in, as he observes You and me, too. He knows each one of them. They're his creatures. He knows them straight through. He knows what's going on in their minds and in their wills, in their hearts. He knows their motives, or lack of motive. And he watches them. Can you imagine our Lord observing? That's something to think about, how our Lord would observe something like that. He says, many rich people put in large sums. And then comes a poor widow. Two things. She is poor and she's a widow. 
and she has no name. Three weeks ago, we had Bartimaeus. It's unusual. Someone who was actually given a name last week, the scribe was not. And this woman is given no name. We don't know who she was, where she came from, what her life was like, or where she was going. We do know that she was a widow there and virtually defensive. She had no legal status whatsoever. She was dependent upon the generosity of others. And she comes in and puts two small coins. Widows might, we used to call them. The coin was actually a lepton, which meant a thin one. It was the smallest coin then in use. And our Lord knows her. He sees her. And he sees her beauty, this poor widow. And he calls his disciples over and says, Amen, I say to you, this poor widow put more into the treasury than all the others. For they have contributed from their surplus wealth, but she from her poverty has contributed all she had, her whole livelihood. And it wasn't just a matter of charity either. It was a matter of faith. She was giving this to the temple. She believed. That was her motivation. She believed. And she loved. An obscure person. So she's given to us then as the example of what it means to be a giver. Of all people that our Lord would choose, he chooses this woman. Something more about this woman that our Lord would see that you and I must see also. He sees as he sees always in any act of goodness himself. She's given. She's emptied herself. She's abandoned herself. And so he sees in her the cross. Since he will then will be the complete giver. He is the one who will sacrifice everything. She then is a symbol of his sacrifice, as we must be. There are a number of elements about giving. Two come to mind. All giving, like all love, is sacrificial. We are in some way emptying ourselves. And all giving, as that boy with the 50 cents, is reckless. She didn't care. She trusted in the providence of God. Reckless, not in the sense of foolish, but in the sense that we abandon our own will for something greater. Here again, remember St. Peter. I keep coming back to St. Peter. His love for the Lord was foolish and reckless in one sense. He had wild confidence in our Lord. I keep saying that. Love is like that. Giving is like that. That's what we see in the martyrs, isn't it? The martyrs don't appear to be very sensible at all, do they? Their love is reckless, as our love must be reckless. Their faith is reckless. They have a wild confidence in the providence of God. 
So we've come here today also as people who love. But I've said the Eucharist is the food of lovers. I've said that many times in the last several weeks. It's also the food of givers. If we receive the Eucharist, then we have to give ourselves as he gave himself. We're receiving his sacrifice. We can be nothing less than visible signs of it. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you rejoicing in the sacrifice of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. For the Church throughout the world, that her members will always be willing to abandon themselves for the sake of the kingdom of God, the healing and strengthening of the Church in our own country. For those who suffer from scandal and those who have caused it, we pray to the Lord. For all nations of the world, especially our own, and for our veterans who have sacrificed for our country and for all of us. That they may grow in understanding of God's love and God's generosity. We pray to the Lord. For those who are sick and suffering and dying, the lonely, the frustrated, the confused, for those who experience alienation and rejection, for those who are greatly tempted, for those who have lost faith, We pray to the Lord. Lord, A greater respect for human life in this month, especially for life at the end, for an end to euthanasia, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, those young men and women who abandon all things to follow the call of God, for a greater reverence for the heroic sacrifice of marriage and the single life, we pray to the Lord. for our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy. But having given all things for the sake of the kingdom, they may be visible signs of that kingdom. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, natural disaster, especially all of our veterans, Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. And for all of us here, we may be willing to give of ourselves as we are called to by God for the sake of the kingdom of God and for his greater honor and glory. We pray to the Lord. We now join our prayers to those of the patroness of our own country as we sing. 